Today's show is brought to you by Leatherman Data Services. How would things have gone for LaSalle if he'd had a good mapmaker to find the Mississippi? What if the Santa Fe expedition had been able to commission a detailed survey plot of all the wells and springs from Texas to New Mexico? If Leatherman Data Services had been around back then, Texas history may have turned out differently. Leatherman Data Services are experienced cartographers who share your passion for the past. They provide high-quality mapping and geographic data services for historians, archaeologists, and cultural resource management firms, people who plumb the depths of history and need their maps to be accurate. If you think you may need their services, you can contact Leatherman Data Services by sending an email to leathermandataservices at gmail.com or find out more at their website, leathermandataservices.com. We thank Leatherman Data Services for sponsoring this episode and many others on the History Podcasters Network. You can find more shows like this one at historypodcasters.com. Sells hot dogs. His name is John. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Howdy. You're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. And I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Today we take a look at the story of the other Rangers. Arlington's own Major League Baseball team, the Texas Rangers. But first, what's your favorite cheesy Texas souvenir? Like from an airport gift shop? Yeah. Or maybe a Texas truck stop. Or a Bucky's. Or that shop in the West End Mall. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I like... A great big giant belt buckle with a longhorn on it. Just to show everybody you went to Texas and got mm. a cowboy belt buckle. I think that no no souvenir shop is complete without an envelope of rattlesnake eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I could pick a single favorite, but I'm sure it's got an armadillo on it. <laughs> yeah. It's spring again, and as we speak, this season of America's pastime is starting up throughout the nation. For many years, there has been debate in the state about which Major League Baseball team is the true baseball team of Texas. (coughs) Astros! At either end of the I-45 corridor sit two great franchises with amazing histories. Though many Texans hold the Houston Astros near and dear to their heart, today we're going to talk about the ups and downs of the heroes of the diamond on the north end of that corridor, the Texas Rangers. It all started with the dream of one man. Since being elected as mayor of Arlington in 1951, Tom Vandegrift's foremost goal was the development of this suburb located between Dallas and Fort Worth into a first-class urban center. To do so, he promoted many major initiatives. These included helping to create the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport, bringing in major automotive and aviation plants, elevating the Arlington State College into the University of Texas system, and working with Angus Wynn, to bring the Six Flags Over Texas Amusement Park to Arlington in 1961. One of his biggest dreams, though, was to bring in a Major League Baseball team. For over a decade, he fought to try to get a Major League team into Arlington. Houston had been granted a team in the 1961 MLB expansion, resulting in what was initially the Colt 45s and later the Astros, and there were a couple of minor league teams in Dallas and Fort Worth. In 1961, Vandegrift negotiated to move the Kansas City Athletics to Arlington, but was blocked by the other American League teams, and other efforts throughout the 1960s were stymied by Astros owner Roy Huffines, who presumably wanted to have the only baseball team in Texas. In 1965, 
Arlington built the Turnpike Stadium to house a new minor league team, the Dallas-Fort Worth Spurs. The stadium was located near Six Flags and was an open-air grandstand facility that could initially seat around 10,000 fans. The field itself was built to major league specifications, though, and it was designed to allow quick and easy seating transition. Now all they needed was a major league team. Vandergriff found that team in the Washington Senators. The Senators had one of the oldest legacies in the major leagues, and they were one of the founding teams of the American League. For the most part, outside of a few successful decades in the teens and 20s, the Washington team was a bit of a laughingstock in baseball. One joke was Washington, first in war, first in peace, and last in the American League. Maybe the most famous image of the Washington franchise's reputation during this time is the 1950s Broadway musical Damn Yankees, where a long-suffering middle-aged fan of the Senators sells his soul to the devil to help his team win. In 1961, the Senators moved to Minneapolis to become the Minnesota Twins, but Major League Baseball started a new Washington Senators who played at the new D.C. Stadium. It became Robert F. Kennedy Memorial Stadium in 1968. The team was a disaster, though, because they remained in the basement of the Majors and had terrible attendance in this huge, huge stadium and went through a slew of half-hearted owners. In 1968, the team was bought by Bob Short, a trucking magnate who had had success in 1960, moving the terrible Minneapolis Lakers team to L.A. and then selling when they became successful. Short obtained the Senators, outbidding Bob Hope in 1968, and brought in legendary player Ted Williams to manage the team. 69 was the only winning season that version of the team would ever have, but the next year the team returned to the bottom of the American League, and Short started to look for a way to repeat his Lakers scheme. Short issued an ultimatum to the league, stating that he would either sell the team for $12 million or would not renew the lease on RFK Stadium and move the team. Mayor Vandergrip stepped up to offer Turnpike Stadium in Arlington as the Senators' new home, offering Short several million dollars up front and to expand the stadium to 35,000 seats. When word got out about all the negotiations, it was a bombshell in Washington. Vandergrip was thrown out of a cab for going to one meeting when the cabbie learned what he was there for. And at another meeting, Short had to hide Vandergriff in a closet from Richard Nixon's son-in-law, who the president had sent over to dissuade Short from moving the senators. <laughs> well, the negotiations went through, though, despite the President Nixon's efforts. Uh, and Major League Baseball voted to approve the move of the team, which would become the Texas Rangers when the 1972 season started. The senators' last season was not their worst, but it was pretty close. And it culminated in a fiasco of a final game where security walked off the job, allowing hundreds of fans to storm the field to grab souvenirs before the last out of the ninth inning. With the, at one point, the Senators were up by two over the hated Yankees. One guy stole first base and took off with it. Literally, he stole first base. He wasn't, even, <laughs> he wasn't a player, he was just a fan. Ran out, grabbed it. The riot forced the Senators to forfeit the game, and pretty much everyone in the team hoped that the Arlington move would make the entire run of the Senators in Washington just a bad memory. On April 15, 1972, the Texas Rangers played their first regular season game ever, losing 1-0 to the California Angels, but won their first victory the next day. Despite early enthusiasm for the team, a couple of problems quickly emerged which didn't improve for the first few seasons. First of all, Arlington Stadium, as it was now called, didn't have a roof. Most of the 25,000 new seats were metal bleachers which stretched the entire outfield, Baseball, in case you don't know, is a game played from the late spring through the early fall. Day games could become a nightmare due to the heat, and attendance during day games, even on the weekends, suffered. Manager Ted Williams made no secret of his distaste for the heat and retired for good at the end of the first season. 
until 1993 when the Florida Marlins were formed. Until 1993 when the Florida Marlins were formed, Arlington Stadium was the hottest stadium in the majors, and in the late 70s, most games from May to September were played at night. Yeah, and this is the reason why the Astros built the Astrodome, was because it is really hot in the summer in Texas, in case yeah. anyone doesn't know. Second, the team just wasn't very good. There's a great book by Fort Worth Star-Telegram writer Mike Shropshire about the abysmal years from 1972 through 1974 called Seasons in Hell. It's also just a great look at sports journalism in the 1970s. Also a great Eddie and the Cruisers album. (laughs) Deep cuts. The book details the misadventures of the Rangers team as manager Whitey Herzog tried and failed to put together a decent uh, squad, but... He was fired in favor of legendary bad boy Billy Martin. Short told reporters, If my mother were managing the Rangers and I had the opportunity to hire Billy Martin, I'd fire my mother. In 1974, the Rangers managed to eke out a winning season, and this was mostly due to some good players such as Mike Hargrove and future Hall of Famer Ferguson Jenkins. The highlight of the 74 season, though, was on June 4th at a game in Cleveland, which was the home of fellow perpetual basement dwellers, the Indians, the Cleveland Indians. Now, Cleveland's ownership had devised a spectacular promotion to pop attendance at the Lakefront Stadium. Ten-cent beer night. Brilliant! Yeah. <laughs> All the beer you can drink at ten cents a pop, uh, which is just the right combination in a Rust Belt city like Cleveland. Animosity among Cleveland's fans and the press against the Rangers over a bench-clearing brawl the week before combined with the massive amounts of cheap beer to spell disaster. Drunken, unruly fans rushing the field eventually resulted in a riot breaking out when the Rangers players were attacked, and the Indian players actually had to wade out into the mob of drunk fans with bats to rescue and protect the other team, which probably marks the only time Indians ever rescued Rangers. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Martin managed to pull the Rangers to second place in 74, and Short was able to sell the team to a new ownership group under Fort Worth businessman Brad Corbett. Corbett spent money freely on free agents, and he clashed with Billy Martin, who he fired in favor of assistant manager Frank Lucchese. Another future Hall of Fame pitcher, Gaylord Perry, came in, and the team improved to have just barely winning seasons from 77 to 79. But baseball ownership didn't suit Corbett, who sold the team in the 1980s to Eddie Childs, an old guy who was the uncle of actress Lois Childs, who played Dr. Holly Goodhead from Moonraker. I like that. She's one of my favorite Bond girls. Um, it's a terrible, terrible movie. Terrible movie. But she's great in it. Um, after the 1981 season, which was cut short by a player strike, the Rangers once again dropped down into the basement for another five years. In 1985, the Rangers hired manager Bobby Valentine midway through the season. And though they had still finished last in the American League West, he set about changing the way the team played. The next year saw radical improvement as a tremendous rookie class came in, including Ruben Sierra and Pete Ecavalia and a number of promising players came into the development system, including Juan Gonzalez and Sammy Sosa. Losing seasons would follow 1986, but the team established a reputation as capable of developing strong hitters, adding Julio Franco and Rafael Palmero to the lineup. Prior to the 1989 season, Valentine concentrated on rebuilding the pitching lineup, bringing in Charlie Huff, Bobby Witt, and Kenny Rogers. Not that Kenny Rogers. He's <laughs> a baseball player. I was about Not the gambler. A baseball player. summer night. This picture smells of whiskey. (laughs) But the biggest coup was signing native Texan and strikeout ace Nolan Ryan from the Houston Astros. 
I'm sorry, Scott. It, I know it still I was hurts. Taking, I was taking it, a moment of silence. Moment of silence. I know it still hurts all these years later, but you, you can move on. In that moment of silence, Nolan Ryan heard, cha-ching. Yeah. But give the Astros a little bit of credit, because at the time, Ryan was 41 years old, and he'd already set the record for no hitters in his 23-year career, and it was expected that he would finish out his career in Arlington. No, he set all these records by this point, and nobody thought that he would necessarily have that coming after that right right. he's 41 years old um in his four years with the rangers though (laughs) nolan would throw his 5000th 5000th strikeout the most by any pitcher in history win his 300th game and throw two more no hitters a record that may never be beat he also led the team to three consecutive winning seasons with a fourth in his last season 1993 and he is probably just as famous for tackling and beating down white Sox player robin ventura who charged them out Ventura would get booed out of the stadium every time he appeared there for the rest of his career. Yeah, and they made sure to play that video every time Robin Ventura the White Sox came yeah. to the, the Texas Rangers. Let me just say, God bless Texas, and God bless Nolan Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> just as important as the arrival of Nolan Ryan was, though, in 1989 also brought out a new ownership for the Rangers. Childs sold the team to a group of investors that was headed by George W. Bush for $89 million. Now, while the president's son was only a minority shareholder in the equity partnership, he was named the managing general partner, and he took over day-to-day operations for the team. The new ownership's top agenda was getting the team competitive and replacing the worn-out old stadium. In 1991, after intense lobbying by the ownership group, funding was approved by the city of Arlington for a new $193 million stadium. Setting a precedent for later actions of a similar nature, the city used eminent domain to seize land south of the old stadium to build a new one. Well, you really didn't want that house anyway. (laughs) The Rangers did end up having to pay several million to the owners of the land. Well, the future owners did, but then the owners never paid. And in 1994, the ballpark at Arlington opened. The ballpark, which later became AmeriQuest Field and is now Globe Life Park, but everyone still just calls it the ballpark, is a retro-style stadium similar to Camden Yards in Baltimore. There's covered seating, club seats and luxury boxes, and even a four-story office building located behind the center field. The upper decks and outfield is still open to the elements, but the place is beautiful and a wonderful nod to baseball's history. 1994 also saw Mr. Bush leave the Rangers' office to go into the family business. He went on to do some other stuff, but he is mostly remembered as the guy who traded away Sammy Sosa after 25 games. The 1990s saw some of the Rangers' most successful years. 95 brought the Major League All-Star Game and new manager Johnny Oates. And I remember we were in college when the All-Star Game came to the uh, ballpark at Arlington. Oates led the team, now including Rangers legends Juan Gonzalez, Pedro Rodriguez, Will Clark, Rusty Greer, and Dean Dean Palmer to their first postseason series. Rangers won the AL West two more times in 98 and 99, but the Yankees continually stopped them in postseason play. Damn Yankees. Yeah. The team was hot, and in 1998, billionaire Tom Hicks, who owned the Dallas Stars hockey team, bought the Rangers for $250 million. The man's a billionaire, Sean. You should say billionaire. Billionaire. Well, if I had a billion dollars, I'd expect you to say that with respect to <laughs> <well>. me. <laughs> At any rate, in 2000, the Rangers curse struck again, and they finished last, and Oates resigned in 2001. He died of brain cancer in 2004, and the Rangers honored him by retiring his number. In 2001, the Rangers signed free agent shortstop Alex Rodriguez to a 10-year, $252 million contract. That's more than what Hicks paid for the whole team two years before that. The biggest deal in baseball history up to that point. 
While A-Rod's personal stats were great at the time, he was the American League MVP in 2002, his team play didn't help, and they still struggled and placed last every year through 2003. That year, the Rangers ended up trading Rodriguez to the Yankees, but insult was added to injury as Texas still had to continue to pay him. Pitching remained bad, a problem for most years where Ferguson, Jenkins, or Nolan Ryan were not on the team, and they would just fall apart after the All-Star break. The Texas Rangers need some of that money ball. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that. In 2006, John Daniels became the general manager, the youngest in baseball history, and changed the strategy to rebuild the brand and field a competitive team by 2010. Instead of constantly throwing money after power hitters, they began to focus more on pitching and also brought in Ron Washington from Oakland. The Rangers continued to struggle, both on the field and off. By 2007, several young stars were coming up in the team, including Josh Hamilton, Ian Kinsler, Michael Young, and Elvis Andrus. Yeah, that Ron Washington came from the Oakland team, famous in Moneyball. Yeah. Moneyball! Moneyball. <laughs> Nolan Ryan was hired as club president of the Rangers in 2008, largely with the focus of taking decisions off of Hicks's plate. It was increasingly becoming clear that Hicks's free-spending ways had landed him in financial trouble. In 2009, Hicks Sports Group, which owned the Rangers, the Stars, and the Liverpool FC soccer team, was about to default on a $500 million loan. Half of that was Rodriguez, I guess. The Rangers themselves had accrued over $500 million in debt, most of it for back salaries. Alex Rodriguez was owed $25 million alone. Hicks began actively shopping for buyers for the Rangers. A new consortium, headed by Pittsburgh sports attorney Chuck Greenberg and Nolan Ryan, agreed to purchase the team on January 22, 2010 for $570 million. However, legal challenges and Hicks's interference forced Major League Baseball to threaten to take control of the team's operations if the deal didn't go through. In May, the Rangers filed for bankruptcy, and the team's assets and debts went into auction. On August 4th, the bankruptcy court accepted bids from two Major League Baseball-approved groups, the Greenberg-Ryan Group, and another group headed by Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Greenberg and Ryan won the bid, and the sale was approved by all 30 MLB owners. Greenberg became CEO, and Ryan remained club president in charge of operations, and in 2011 became controlling owner and CEO when Greenberg sold his interest. The new leadership immediately showed results. Since 2008, the team had finished second in the American League West, and under Nolan's direction, the team focused on developing the pitching staff, including C.J. Wilson, Cliff Lee, Derek Holland, and 2010 Rookie of the Year, Neftali Felice. While stars Hamilton, Kinsler, Andrus, and Young all performed strongly. In 2010, the Rangers finally succeeded in winning a postseason series, and they captured the American League pennant. The World Series came to Arlington for the first time in team history, but the Rangers were un unable to overcome the San Francisco Giants' excellent pitchers. Uh, in 2011, despite the chaos of the sale and bankruptcy, and losing Cliff Lee, the Rangers repeated as American League champions, and they faced the St. Louis Cardinals in a second consecutive World Series. The Rangers were within one out of winning the series on several occasions, but they could not put down the Cardinals and lost the series in seven games. And that was a heartbreak. Joke! Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, since 2011, the Rangers have contended for the AL West and have failed to make it to the postseason, but they remain perennial contenders. The Rangers are the only professional franchise in the Dallas area that does not have a world championship. But hopefully it's only a matter of time before one finally comes Texas way. A number of records have been set by the Texas Rangers over the years. Nolan Ryan, of course, set the all-time record for strikeouts and pitched his sixth and seventh no-hitters for the team. The Rangers also scored the most runs in a single game, 30 in 2007, against Baltimore. 
What an embarrassing day for Baltimore. <laughs> a number of players, including Kinsler, Hamilton, Beltrain, A-Rod, Palmero, and Gonzalez, have had 30-plus run seasons. Arlington Stadium was routinely the hottest stadium in the majors until the 1990s, and it was also the first Major League Baseball park to sell nachos in 1974. Woohoo! Nachos. Now that's an important first. 40 years of nachos. <laughs> Seven Hall of Famers have played for the Rangers, former managers Ted Williams and Whitey Herzog, and pitchers Burt Blylevin, Goose Gossage, Ferguson Jenkins, Gaylord Perry, and Nolan Ryan. Though only Nolan Ryan's plaque at Cooperstown has him wearing the Rangers uniform. In addition, broadcaster Eric Nadell was awarded the Fred Frick Award by the Baseball Hall of Fame for his 34 years as the Rangers play-by-play man. In addition to Jackie Robinson's number 42, which all of Major League Baseball has retired, the Rangers have retired two additional numbers, uh, Nolan Ryan's number 34 and Johnny Oates's number 26. The Rangers have their own Hall of Fame, founded in 2003, and it includes a lot of the names we've talked about here, as well as some we haven't. For instance, my name is not in there. My name is not there either. That's all the facts. So let's talk about our own experience. Right, so I, I think I'm the main Rangers fan in the group here this time, and uh, I've been going to Rangers games since I was a kid. We would come up to visit my grandparents in Mineral Wells, and would sometimes come over to Arlington to a baseball game. So I've actually, I've actually been to the, the the old Arlington Stadium. One of the things we remembered the the hallmark of the Texas Rangers back in the, the '70s and '80s was that they had all the in baseball in general, but they had all these promotions and get butts in the seats and get people there. Well. Every month they had bat night at the ballpark at the uh, sorry at the uh, Arlington Arlington Stadium. Stadium yeah every every month they had bat night at the Arlington Stadium they would actually give kids these full size baseball bats uh, and then later they shifted to the smaller ones but I just remember Arlington Stadium was aluminum everything was aluminum and the whole outfield yeah the whole outfield was bleachers and my dad and I were talking about this the other day and he said do you remember the bat night and I just remember that noise and every single kid was just banging those bats against the (laughs) thousands of kids banging their bats against the, uh, against the, the bleachers, these aluminum bleachers. And it would, it was maddening sound, but actually a lot of people consider that a benefit for the Rangers, for the ballpark and for the, the turnpike stadium. Uh, the other thing that I remember is, uh, it was very hot at that stadium. It still is. And, and it still is at the new stadium. Um, you know, we would, uh, after college, uh, you know, our friend Joe was a huge baseball fan and, uh, he was my roommate. And one time, at one of my first jobs out of college was at stream. And I'm, I'm going to admit this, uh, I called in sick to go to opening day. I'm pretty sure the, the statute of limitations yeah, has expired. For, for expired, yeah, for a company I don't work for anymore. But yeah, I called in sick to go to opening day. For shame on you, yeah. sir. For and, shame. And I'm kind of a curse for the Rangers because it seems like every time I go, they lose. So I, I just have stopped going to Rangers games. You know, I think it's interesting that they talk about the heat of the stadium. And I've only been to one Rangers game. I went with uh, some old college friends, Chris and Tuck. I went with yeah. them and... It was a bit like being an ant under a magnifying glass. <laughs> if you sit and in the was, upper decks, yeah, it's and, pretty bad. And the game was a blowout, and it was late in the innings. I was like, you know, this would be a good time for us to scooch out of here because it's 162 <laughs> degrees on this metal seat I'm sitting on. Right. Unacceptable. And they're like, unacceptable for us to leave this game. I was like, uh, uh, guys. The fat lady is singing. It is over. Like, there is no miracle that we're going to see at this point. Well, 
Well, the the ballpark at Arlington is a beautiful stadium. It's, and it's gorgeous. It is a gorgeous stadium. And if you know the right seats to get, there's a there's a home run porch in uh, in right field, right behind the the bullpen, and it's covered. And that's the best place to get. You get pretty good prices on tickets there, but it's covered. And uh, it has easy access to the concourse with all the the beer stands and the hot dog stands and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I just I just picture we I've gone there with my dad a bunch of times. We used to go with Joe all the time and and our friend Mikey and uh, went on a date with my with my wife. When we were dating, um, but I just there's some things about that ballpark I just remember. There's a guy that sells hot dogs and his name is John. Hot dogs, hot dogs. You can hear him. All the way across the stadium, and and that those are the, those are the sounds and the feels that I think about when I think about the ballpark. Well, I think you know it's a gorgeous park, but what's interesting about Dallas is, it, you know, compared to a lot of other places in the United States, we have amazing, especially in the last few years, we have amazing facilities for sport to see sports. <laughs> I mean, the American Airlines Center is gorgeous. The new Cowboy Stadium is is mind-bendingly amazing with that giant yeah. jumbotron. Yeah, even even the soccer stadium in Frisco where the the FC Dallas team plays is, the, is a fantastic the, house. The, the, the Frisco Rough Riders stadium, our minor league team uh, is yeah. beautiful too. Dr. Pepper Park. Dr. Pepper Park. Now, let's let's get back to baseball here yeah, and baseball. I'll just Stick say that growing up in the Houston area um, where we play real baseball in the National League I had no idea the Texas Rangers even existed mm-hmm. until they stole Nolan Ryan. <laughs> um, yeah. So from then on, I was aware that there was this other team in Texas. And um, actually, the first American League baseball game I ever went to was part of our comic camp in uh, yes. freshman year at UTD. And uh, went out there to the old Arlington Stadium. They'd already started construction on the yeah. uh, the new ballpark, and so you're 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 this sitting. Is a, this is the '93s. Yeah, we we're, we're sitting in the upper deck, you know, way up at the top of the bleachers in Arlington Stadium, and you go and you look over and you can see them build on the ballpark. Yeah. It's like, oh, look at that, and that's much nicer than this yeah. place. Yeah. Um, so that was that was my first memory of uh, the Texas Rangers. I don't remember anything about the ball game, um, but then later, much later, um, it was just a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. I met our mutual friend, Donnie. He came up. Uh, he was up for business or something, and I met him out at the ballpark to go to a game. Unfortunately, I was coming straight from work, and I neglected to take a change of clothes. <laughs> so we went there early because uh, he likes to, you know, get the home run balls during batting practice and stuff yeah. like that, you know, collects the balls, and Donnie's a big ball man. <laughs> he has right, he has a You're comically a he has a comically large right. giant I'm, glove. I'm, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. <laughs> okay. this, is, this is a good story. So... So first of all, I forgot to change the clothes. So we get there early, you know, so we you're, can... You're in your slacks. Right. Well, I'm in jeans. Jeans, okay. Right, because I'm a programmer. I was in my jeans, and so I'm soaking wet by this point, and I'm just sitting there in the bleachers just soaking wet, because seriously, the ballpark in Arlington is way too hot to yes. not have a roof. Yeah. Um, so we're watching the game, and eventually, and as Mike just said, Donnie's got this big, giant, oversized novelty glove that he's got <laughs> some autographs on, and it's just, you know, to get attention and that kind of thing. And uh, so we're sitting there, and one of the uh, the color guy that goes around the bleachers and stuff during the games yeah. and interviews people and Kiss stuff, cam. he comes up over to Donnie. He's like, "Hey, I want to borrow your glove." And keep in mind, Donnie and I both grown up in Houston, fans of real baseball. We're on the Astros side of the park because it was an Astros Rangers game. It was an interleague game. play game. Yeah. Okay. And so we've got our Astros gear on. We've got our caps and everything. And so he comes up and he's talking to this guy. I forget his name. Um, 
tells Donnie, he's like, hey, can I borrow your glove for a minute? I'm going to do this thing. And he's like, okay, we'll bring it back. And so he goes and does his thing or whatever. And we're like, where's that glove? You know, Donnie's like, I'm going to be mad if I don't get it back. It's like, I'm, at least I know who he is. You know, it's like a guy on TV. It's yeah. not like he can hide from him. No big deal. Right. So later, I, I call my uh, call my wife and I tell her, like, hey, I think they're going to, Donnie's glove's going to be on TV. Can you, she was watching the game. And so she recorded on the DVR. Come to find out, he took his, Donnie's big, giant, oversized glove and then went and found, like, a Rangers fan to interview and pretend it was his glove. And I'll try and remember to put a link to the video. I've got a the video clip online, but it was just hilarious because it was like, that's totally made up and fake. <laughs> he just stole Donnie's glove and yeah. made it seem like it was Did a Rangers fan. What? Yeah, he got it back. Oh, okay. it you're, tell- just... you're telling me TV isn't real? Well, I know. Real, I know. But anyway, that that's my memories well, of the Well, ballpark. the good news is, Scott, is that the, ra- the, the Astros apparently don't believe in playing real baseball either anymore, and they have joined the American League and are in the American League West with yes. the Texas Rangers. Yes. So every year, several times a year, there will be an I-45 uh, showdown. Someday, someday, the silver boot will be held by the Houston Astros. Okay. God bless Texas, and God bless the Houston Astros, my friend. But here's the thing. This is maybe a little little off topic, but this is, you know, we talked about the facilities, we talked about the teams and this great history of that, and we, you know, there isn't a person walking around that doesn't think Nolan Ryan is like walks on water. Right, yeah. You know, anywhere south of Dallas, we all we all know this for a fact that he's <laughs> one of the most awesome superhumans to ever grace the earth. Yeah. But here's the thing that always bothered me about the Texas Rangers. You know, my passion is not so much in in. I'm really a big San Antonio Spurs fan because they're the San Antonio Spurs, much like they're the Houston Astros or the Dallas Cowboys. I don't like the idea that they're the Texas Rangers, because I didn't vote for them. <laughs> there wasn't an election no, held by the good not. people of Texas. They just... They just took it. They took you know the what name. this is? This is like Dr. Dre. <laughs> he didn't go to medical school, people. He's not licensed to operate on anyone. The thing about... And, and the same way that I, I'm not a fan... Sorry, my friend Jim Cates. I'm not a fan of the Houston Texans. Yeah. Because I didn't vote for them either. <laughs> well... And I also, last point, I agree that you should not have a team name that cannot be pluralized. Oh, okay. Thunder. I'm looking at you, Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I have more of a problem with Oklahoma being, the Thunder being an an inanimate object. (laughs) There are real Texas Rangers. There are even real Texans. But there are no such thing as a real thunder. A team name should be easily pluralized. Yeah, That's yes. all I'm saying. Okay. Well, so what I love about the Rangers is that is this is is a love hate relationship. They they managed to inherit that hard luck story of the the Washington Senators in that they get good for a little while and then just fall apart and just go to yeah. go Although, to crap. And I, I like the whole bear claw antler. Thing right, but then they lost. But then he he moved on to another team, and then they lost the next series. So it, it's like as we said, you know, they always fall apart at the at the All Star break. It's like they can get through the heat for a little while, but then that week off for the All Star game, they just lose all their heat tolerance, and suddenly they're back in the bottom of the league. So I, you know, they they constantly break our hearts, but we keep come. I keep coming back for more because they are they are the baseball team, and it is America's pastime, and and it is it is Dallas's. Uh, version of the America's pastime. So that's what I love about the Rangers. Well, I didn't vote for them, but I do think they are pretty cool. Yeah. 
And we'll do a story about the Astros sometime because they have an amazing history. Too. T- they, tune, tune in maybe yeah. towards the end of summer and end of the season, and we'll see if we can talk about the yeah, Astros. Yeah, and they, they, did, they did see I, – I actually prefer the Houston Colt 45s, which was the previous name of the Astros. But that, well, I'll digress from that. That's the show, folks. <laughs> That's the show, folks. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave us some feedback. Be sure to indicate whether it's okay for us to mention you on the show. You can also find our show and many other great ones at historypodcasters.com. You can follow us individually, too. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. And I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. If you like the show, tell your friends and please leave a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. Anyway.